Welcome to the TechMap Podcast. Tune in for insights, discussion and debate on where technology meets marketing, advertising and PR. In this episode, we're listening to a recording of Matt Morrison, who spoke recently at a TechMap meetup in London, all about influencer marketing and the use of social data. I hope you enjoy the show. So I am Matt Morrison. I have been working in social media, as Andy says, for an awfully long time. I am a social media nerd. Probably don't share a lot of similar features with most of the social media people you know. Until very recently, I was head of social at a big media agency. I have stopped that. I am now operating on my own, trying to work out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. And a few months ago, Somebody came to me and said, would you like to be our just global head of influencer marketing? Uh, I don't know why they asked me that. I had heard of influencer marketing, but I hadn't actually really done any influencer marketing. In fact, if you searched on my name and influencer marketing, you would have found me saying quite careful things about it. Today's presentation is a, is a whole series of quite careful things to say about influencer marketing based on the fact that I knew nothing. So all I had to go to when somebody asked me which person from TOWIE should we be um, getting to endorse our product was numbers. That's all, all I had that I could rely on. And so that's what this presentation is about. Interest is just search interest in um, influencers uh, has been massively increasing. It's kind of trebled over the past few years. Um, the number of articles that people are writing the marketing press to meet that search interest has um, increased fairly rapidly uh, because obviously journalists write articles to terminate searches. Um, what's interesting to note about this graph really is that this is when Gladwell published a book called The Tipping Point, uh, which more or less fucked up social media for the next 10 years. This is when social media marketing really took off. That's when the people were starting to really begin to pull together blog networks. Um, perhaps just about there, maybe doing some MySpace stuff. Um, this is Malcolm Gladwell. He um, probably had, uh, politely, he had a profound influence on the marketing community because he sort of said that we could carry on uh, regardless. We could keep on doing what we'd always done. We used to go to ITV or Sky. Now we could go to influencers. So we would, it was the same model, just writ much smaller. As it happens, a much smarter chap who really knows his onions, a guy called Duncan Watts, said, it's not really as simple as that. It's not a feature of the individual. It's not a feature of the, of the influencer. It's a feature of the network. Um, so somebody who's very influential but surrounded by the wrong kind of network won't go anywhere. What you need is massive, uh, massive networks of gullible people. And, uh, and then, then we're... Then we're on gas. Nonetheless, the marketing community on the whole doesn't like complex messaging, as no doubt you've told your clients. What we like is quite simple things, and what sells is Gladwell. So let's ignore Duncan for the moment and focus on this. So what's happening at the moment is we have social media platforms, notably probably YouTube, Vine, Instagram, Facebook. We've got these platforms where, for the first time ever, celebrities 
um, are able to talk directly to their audience without having to get onto Parkinson's sofa. The fact that I'm saying Parkinson probably shows how <laughs> really out of my depth I am in social, in, 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 in influencer marketing. There must be something more up to date. Um, David Letterman? <laughs> so we've gone from this model where people had to go to the media in order to talk to their audience, but now, in fact, we get in this moment where narrowcast, things that looked for a while to be very small, like podcasting, YouTube vlogging, um, are really becoming quite big. From the point of view of an ad agency, this is interesting because when I'm booking my talent, I kind of want to work out how do I integrate that talent. Have they got a large Twitter following? Should I choose somebody because they have a large Twitter following? Should I choose somebody who's able to make YouTube videos about the fact that they're on a shoot uh, for the ad that I'm making? You can see how it works. All that means, um, in practical terms, is that we're spending more money here. And because we're spending more money here, um, it's worth it if you are William Morris or whoever to start uh, thinking about this as part of your talent representation uh, offer. So uh, it's a lot easier for me as an agency to go to <coughs> talent representation and book these people, which means that it's easier for me to spend money. And so we've got this wonderful um, sort of feedback loop and growth, um, which is great for me. The problem, obviously, is at some point, somebody's going to ask me, How does this work? Is this working? How do I value? How do I value? How do I know who's playing well with Asian teams in the North? Or who, who do I go to if I can't afford Philip Schofield to talk to uh, mid-market mums? So can I find some kind of benchmarking? And there isn't really a clear way. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, Clearly, if we are looking at influencers, there are two ways we can begin to think of them. Uh, we can think of them as channel or content channel. Oprah can, controls huge audiences. So if I get Oprah to endorse my product on her program, I'm doing well. In fact, one of my clients has, in fact, asked me to get um, Oprah, which <coughs> is interesting. Um, alternatively, you have somebody like George, who has no social media presence at all, absolutely none. Uh, just doesn't really care. But if I get George into my campaign, then I will be able to generate huge amounts of media interest and lots and lots of support. So that's going to be fine. We can talk very briefly about the content side of things. It's relatively straightforward. Uh, we have search data, which tells us where in the sort of narrative arc a particular um, celebrity is, um, which is quite useful. Um, and we can look at them and see, relatively speaking, who's doing well, who's not doing well. So if somebody has more search interest, it's probably going to be easier for me to sell that into the Daily Mail. And we can look at how many mentions they're getting, where they're getting those mentions, where, you know, where those mentions are appearing. This is, this is all from you know, still public data. But luckily here, public data includes you know, people writing about you know, the, you know, the Daily Mail, whatever. Um, that's all straightforward. I'm surprised that people aren't using this stuff more. It's what any sort of like, yeah. I, I, but that, that's, this is, this is easy. And it's good, and everyone should do it. <clears throat> so let's put that to one side and look at the channel side of things. I'm kind of pleased I'm following you. Because um, generally speaking, when you look at, um, 
measurements, there are these two sort of areas. There's, you know, what, what, you know what's worth measuring and what, what can be measured, and then there's this tiny overlap here, and that's where you kind of want to look. But um, if you work in my business, then everyone obviously focuses on just what can be measured. Uh, and that really tends to, have mean, tends to mean Twitter, because Twitter has lots of data, and it's all publicly available. Uh, it is... Um, so it's kind of traditional to look at uh, Twitter data, and I'm a very traditional chap, so I um, start there. This is kind of one of the problems that we see. Uh, Twitter tells you how many impressions you get. So um, I, I tweeted the other day, and uh, it says I got 2,500 impressions, which is very nice. That's, for me, that's amazingly good. Um, but if I went to TweetReach, which is using the public data, then it tells me I got 43, 44,000 uh, impressions, which uh, is, is about 17 times as many. So the, in the whole industry tends to work to these numbers, not to the real numbers. It's, it's a absolute, yet we all know it's false. And yet, I mean, I, I now ask my clients, do they want real numbers or do they want the big numbers? Um, <laughs> what answer do you get? Big numbers. Obviously, you didn't even have to ask that, did you? You never had to ask that. Um, so, so it's a big number thing, and we've, and, and, but all this is to show you really is that there is, just to prepare you for the fact that some of the numbers that um, we see may not always be entirely accurate. Um, does anybody know about the Fry effect? Have you come across this? Stephen Fry is very big on, uh, on, very big on Twitter. Uh, he's so big that, in fact, um, the Fry effect says that because if he tweets a link to your site, um, he can deliver two or three thousand requests a second, um, and uh, that means fifty percent of the time the site is down in seconds. I was like, please, Stephen, don't tweet my fucking site. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's like because I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you know about like sort of um, you know anonymous, but basically he is a denial of service attack, um, which which isn't. Um, so it, it's, it's awesome in, in many ways, but um, but is it true? Um, I mean, I, you know, Stephen Fry is, is good at many, many things, but I'm guessing that the, the, the numbers is not one. Every so often, he tweets a bit.ly link. I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but if you add a plus to the end of a bit.ly link, uh, you can see how many people clicked on it. Yeah, and, and 4,000 people clicked on this link that was from the other day. It's a really, that's a really good one. I mean, that's yeah, 4,000 4, clicks. That's, yeah, more than me. But, but, um, but it's, it's not two or 3,000, or was it three or 4,000 a second? Yeah, it's, it's big, but it's not. It's not. It's not, you know, 4chan. Um, so I went through every single one of the last 3,200 tweets and I found every single bit.ly link. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I could have been worse than this. You can actually find any short link and see if it's a bit.ly link, but I just, I was quite lazy, and I only found about 300 bit.ly links. And I used yeah, very much a best-case scenario, which assumes that every single um, uh, link that he shared was only shared by him. Um, and he got, you can see sort of over here, kind of a medium of about 1,500 clicks per link. Again. Not three or four thousand. Um, but I, I come from a media side of things, so we know that clicks are not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is um, post view conversion. Um, anybody here, media? Excellent. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't sell the clicks. Don't sell the clicks. 
Yeah, fun. Um, so he's got, he's got nine and a half million followers, which is amazing. Yeah, that's like, that's kind of like early season X Factor or, B, or, or Britain's Got Talent. So, I mean, this is a TV-sized audience. This is, this is huge. But only an idiot would think that every single one of those persons, you know, people saw his tweets. That would be, that would be crazy. I mean, that would be, you know, I mean, not everyone's awake when he tweets. Um, so how many, how many see his tweets? I mean, I, he's not going to tell me. Um, so I, didn't have, I didn't really have a way of doing this. So what I did was I went to my most influential friend who trusted me. Um, uh, and I asked him to give me his Twitter data. He's got about 100,000 followers. No, I mean, nowhere near, nowhere near the, you know, where we're looking at. And he gets about 5,000 impressions per tweet. So, uh, yeah, again, best case scenario, that's a reach of about 5% of his followers. Yeah, it's not bad. But it's not, you know, not, not great. Um, so I looked a bit, you know, looked a little bit, trying to work out how do I then work out a way to relate that to what Stephen Fry said. So, okay, so there's one thing they have in common, which is the number of retweets per tweet. Uh, so we'll set that as some kind of way of benchmarking this. And actually, retweets per tweet is quite a good way, generally, if you're ever analyzing a Twitter account, to work out how active their audience is, how able they are to activate their audience. So, so 5,000, so 5%. And I looked at this, and I thought, okay, he's, got, he's able to activate 5%, and then I could see that sort of, you know, his impressions, which is, you know, for the moment we're calling that his reach. Um, you, see, you see it goes up at this nice thing. So I thought, okay, that's kind of useful. It's kind of a way of thinking about, you know, there's probably some relationship between retweets and, 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 and reach. I mean, there's, there's kind of a relationship. Um, so I looked at his and I looked at Fry's retweet, yeah, their median retweet per tweet. Which is not, you know, this is, this is, you can see how we're kind of getting into, a little bit into the weeds here. But my friend gets about four retweets per tweet, which is not bad. I'd, I'd be pleased. Fry is getting amazing, 113. That's huge. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's kind of getting towards Taylor Swift. It's really good. Um, but it's not... Nine and a half million versus his. Yeah, it's not. It's it's only a little bit better. Um, you know, if you if you if you were to draw if you were to draw sort of a straight line, you'd expect him to be getting yeah thousands of retweets per tweet. And there's kind of this weird paradox. Um, Stephen Fry and a lot of very very large follow count Twitter accounts are recommended. They're suggested. Um, to, so if you're a new user and you're joining, if you've never been there before, Twitter is trying to make it a slightly better, they call it the onboarding experience. They're trying to make it a slightly better experience for you as you, um, as you join Twitter. So it's not just an empty screen that you join up to. So one of the things they do is they, they suggest a whole load of um, you know, people for you, Lord Sugar, Time Out, London, you know, based, on, based on whatever it is they can guess about you. And then you click that button, which says follow 40 people and continue. So, Alan Sugar is getting an awful lot of, in this particular instance, people who have just joined Twitter. But the one thing we know about people who just joined Twitter is they are very unlikely to come back tomorrow. So, yes, these huge follow counts are huge, but an awful lot of them are either bots or, you know, kind of people who are defunct, lapsed. So let's leave Twitter because 
they really haven't they haven't been much fucking use, frankly. <laughs> it's true. Um, so anyway, there are all kinds of things. Let's look at the YouTubers, because YouTubers are really nice for me because um, I like YouTubers. They make video. I work in advertising. Um, advertising people understand video. Clients understand video. Uh, we all understand what's going on there. It's great. Um, I can sell video. Um, and in fact, so we, you know, if you take a typical YouTuber, this is, this is a fairly typical YouTuber, um, he um, charged about £15,000 to make a video for you. Uh, you've got 1.2 million subscribers. If you're working out as a cost per thousand, it's about £12.50, uh, £12. which, is, which is great. But this line here is his subscribers, and these little dots here are how many views his videos are getting. I like, I, I like histograms, so I did this histogram, same graph, same data, different shape. Um, what you see here is he's getting about 100,000, 110,000 um, views per, um, yeah, per video. That's great, still good, 100,000 views is nice, I mean, I'd be grateful. But it takes that from being 12 pounds 50 to being um, 135, that's 10 times that's 135 pound cost per thousand is punchy um, I, for anybody, um, particularly as I don't get to choose who those, I, I don't get to choose who that audience is. Like the audience is the audience he can reach. And you know, if you are dealing with YouTubers, do ask them for their demographics. Sometimes they give them to you. Um, and what you tend to find is if you are reaching, if you want to reach young women, um, you're doing really well. If you're trying to reach anybody else, <coughs> you, you might not be performing quite as well. So, it's really, this has been a, a series of like quite unconnected thoughts, and I'm sorry for that. But um, the thoughts are about, I think, don't trust anybody else's data. And when you have your own data, you can begin to build your own insights. And the insight here is, um, if you're going to use influencers, use them as content. Use them as access to um, decent PR. Use them as anything. Do not use them as a substitute for channel. They're not going to get you that. They're nowhere. They're not. They're, that's not the smart way of doing it. But as content, as content, they're probably good news. Thanks for listening to the TechMap podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find out more online at www.thisistechmap.com, on Twitter at thisistechmap, or on Meetup, meetup.com forward slash techmap. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes or on Stitcher or on SoundCloud, as we'll be posting more expert interviews, reviews, and event recordings here on a regular basis. So come back, check us out, and you can join the debate on where technology meets marketing advertising and PR.